Our uh, text is Genesis 14, and I'll read verses 17 to 20. Genesis 14, verses 17 to 20. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Perhaps you get Melchizedek and Methuselah mixed up. Maybe early in my Christian walk, I sometimes did. But uh, they're both only mentioned a little bit in Scripture. Uh, Melchizedek is only mentioned twice in the book of, uh, in, in the Old Testament. He's mentioned once here in Genesis, and there are only three verses that relate to him. And then he's mentioned once in Psalm 110, a psalm of David, the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. And let me just read you that verse. It's 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, does that mean Melchizedek ordered it? It's according to the order of Melchizedek, right? What does he mean? The order of Melchizedek is a priestly order. Melchizedek's priestly order. What's the other priestly order order that we have? We have the Aaronic priestly order, the Levitical priesthood. And yet they're not here yet. They don't start until after Moses brings everybody out of Egypt. And that's hundreds of years from now. So we have this priest who's a high priest of God, who is totally different than what's coming. I said Melchizedek's name is only used twice in the Old Testament. Four verses, really, in total refer to Melchizedek. And yet in the New Testament, his name is mentioned nine times. Three chapters in Hebrews speak of Melchizedek, expanded immensely. And there, there are 44 verses in the New Testament that encompass the, the dialogue concerning Melchizedek. So you have four verses in the Old Testament in three quarters of the Bible being expanded into 44 verses in the New Testament, which is a quarter of our Bible. So you could see the disproportionate volume that speaks of Melchizedek in the New Testament. And if you read about it in the New Testament, as we'll get to, it's all about Melchizedek being a type of Christ. And so that, to me, tells me types are very important to God very important to the writers of the Bible. And that's why I've chosen to go through in this series, types of Christ in Genesis, because there are so many. And these types all point to Christ and God orchestrated them for that purpose. These people existed. They went through all this stuff to point towards Jesus. It's really interesting to me. In 1 Corinthians 10.4, uh, Paul speaks of there being a rock that provided water to the Jews, and that rock was Christ. See, this is a type I'm not going to get to in Genesis, and so I figure I can mention it because it's Moses, and he doesn't start till Exodus. So this is how important types were. The first time Moses was told to get water from that rock, what was he told to do? Smack that rock. And so he did. He smacked that rock, and water came out. The second time he's told to get water from that rock, he was told to do what? Speak to that rock. And yet, 
in his frustration with the people, he smacked the rock twice. It's amazing that God allowed the water to come out of that rock at that time. It's almost like he did just toast Moses on that rock. Dead. Get, Joe, get Josh up here. You know, Joshua's going to come up here, and he's going to get water out of this rock by the right way. But no, he had mercy on Moses. But he also said, you're not taking the people in the promised land. And when you read about how Moses handled that later, he blames the people. It's his own sin. And yet he's blaming the people. You people caused me not to be able to go into the promised land. No, Moses, you caused yourself not to go into the promised land. Yes, you got frustrated with the people, had every right to, but you shouldn't have smacked that rock. That rock was Christ. And you needed to speak to that rock that second time. So see, again, types are so important. He smacked that rock and God said, you acted in faithlessness by smacking that rock. Again, it's a picture of the type. God took that very seriously. He didn't blame him for disobedience. He blamed him for faithlessness. He did not trust Christ. He did not trust that rock to save him. He wanted to rely upon his own actions. It's works righteousness. It's just amazing how these types are in the Old Testament that point to so much expansion of these truths in the New Testament. So I've been off topic for a couple minutes now. I want to go to Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 7, verses 1 to 3. And this is right in the heart of this expansion on Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to him also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. I want to start at verse 3. Without father, without mother, without genealogy. Now, to be a high priest under the Levitical priesthood, you had to have a perfect pedigree. You had to be descended from Aaron. You couldn't just be a Levite. You had to be a son of Aaron. And so that was the Aaronic order of the Levitical priesthood. And you had to have your pedigree. These high priests were chosen from that line. And yet here's Melchizedek, a high priest of God most high. But who is he? We don't know. We have no idea where he come from, who he was, when God saved him, why he was doing this, why Abraham gave him this allegiance that he did, why he gave him a tenth of all the spoils. We don't know any of that. And we're pointing at the fact that Melchizedek was a priest really without origin. He just appears in the Bible. What tribe was Jesus from? Judah. So see, Jesus also wasn't of the tribe of the Levites. So he's not a Levitical priest, obviously. He is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, meaning came out of nowhere. Didn't expect to see that coming. Note also that uh, Melchizedek was made like the Son of God. In other words, the types are the, are the thing that aren't really the real thing. The real thing is what's referred to as the anti-type. And Jesus is the anti-type. Jesus is the real thing. The type is pointing at Jesus. 
So it says that Melchizedek was made like the Son of God. 2,000 years before Christ, Melchizedek existed to point at Christ. That's why he comes in. Now, do you really believe that Melchizedek didn't have a father or a mother or a lineage? There are, I'm sure, are people that say that, but that's not what is meant. What's meant is that the biblical narrative does not instruct us as to who that was. And so the writer of Hebrews is arguing from the silence of Scripture concerning this type that is being proclaimed, the importance of it. And so it just shows you that you can use the silence of Scripture to illustrate points. The writer of Hebrews sure did. So his name was righteousness. Melchizedek means righteousness. He was the king of Salem. He was the king of peace. He was the king of righteousness. He was the king of peace. His name was chosen and his place, his kingship was given such that he could be a prefiguring of the Lord Jesus Christ and his eternal priesthood. Now, the thing that I find most beautiful in Genesis 14 verse 18 is it says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He served communion to Abram and his people. He was the high priest. He was conducting a communion service. Again, prefiguring Christ who 2,000 later, 2,000 years later would do that with his disciples, his apostles. Abraham tithed the tenth of the spoils that he had gained from those kings that he had defeated. And that is expounded on in Hebrews that the greater is, is uh, the one who blesses the lesser. And so Melchizedek is termed as being greater than Abraham in that day. And the reason the writer of Hebrews is stressing this is that they, the Jews held Abraham in such high regard. But yet they're like, don't forget about Melchizedek who came from nowhere, who wasn't a Jew. And Abraham gave him obeisance. And that's what we're talking about now. We're talking about Jesus being the Jew, but also being that high priest of the order of Melchizedek who bypasses that whole Mosaic covenant in order to be really the greater reality, the greater interaction with God that was promised right there in Genesis 3. Now, Jesus is our perfect high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He has no beginning, no end. His reign will never cease. And he will give us this bread and wine forever here on earth and in heaven to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that we can uh, look to your word uh, for truth, uh, that we can trust every word in it, that we can make sense of it just as the writers of the New Testament did. Uh, Lord, uh, the G uh, Lord Jesus opened the eyes of those two on the road to Emmaus and opened up the scriptures of the Old Testament that spoke of him. And we thank you, Father, for this, that just... Uh, just totally prevails in the Old Testament. All of the wisdom concerning Christ, all of the future that was promised. And we ask you now, Lord, to come to us, to minister to us as Melchizedek ministered to Abram that day uh, by, by giving us bread and wine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.